0: Uh, there's a verse Galatians 2:20 and I want to read part of that verse. It says in the second phrase or third phrase, "And the life which I now live in the flesh, that's where we are today, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's what it's all about. Can you translate your efforts such that you live by faith? In the Son of God. On a daily basis, we need to be developing faith. That's what it's all about. And I want you to begin turning to Jeremiah chapter 32. And as you do, I want to mention a few things. This new year will bring many opportunities and challenges. In fact, uh, unexpected things, as Kathy knows, has already have already happened. And for you... I can't predict what it will be, but it will be something. There will be challenges. I want to start by letting you know that um, we've seen some amazing things take place in this past year with the Jesus Film Project. Uh, in one country, in particular Central African Republic, uh, a small country, but right smack dab, and if you, were, if you had a dartboard and you were going to throw a dart at, at the continent of Africa, right smack dab in the middle where you'd see the bullseye is the Central African Republic. That's why they call it that. And um, we have five film teams there. But they've stretched it and they have, um, they have actually 10 operational teams. they stretch their budgets. So we fund five. They've, they generate 10. And they've trained 150 volunteers to show the Jesus film in addition to these 10 teams that they have And last year, they saw 77 churches planted. Now you say, well, uh, what happens to those churches, you know? Where are they a year from now? And one of the things I want to share with is that working through, they're working through 17 different denominations. They have been able to uh, show the film, train people to show the film, and and encourage others who have responded to those films to come to 30-day training cycles, and uh, those would be those that would be spiritual leaders. And those spiritual leaders then are well-positioned to lead the flock. Now, almost all of these churches are in association with other churches that have, you might say, wanted to replicate themselves in the neighboring area. So we thank God that there are opportunities like this that, you know, God's word is spreading. But you know, this last year also was a tough year for us. Um, We had um, two of our staff, actually there were three individuals in Turkey, were martyred this last year. And another one in Tajikistan. and Another man uh, who was on a missions trip from South Africa to the Yemen uh, and was using the Jesus film was also killed for his faith. These are days where... There's a spiritual battle raging. And to be honest with you, um, there is always going to be this tension. You're going to face tension, whether that's with your neighbors, whether that's here at the church, or whether that's at your job. You're going to face this spiritual tension. And what we want to talk about today, what I'd like to share with you, is how to keep a perspective in the midst of all the unexpected things that are going to come up this year. Um, I do want to share that in one country, uh, this is the country of Israel, which we don't talk about. And I'm being open with you here because you're just uh, my friends, but we can't openly have a ministry in Israel. That sounds funny, but uh, yes, we can openly have a ministry amongst the Muslims because the Jews will, Jewish people will allow us to do that. But we can't have an open ministry amongst the Hebrew-speaking people. And yet, what we did this last year was, was a way to reach out where we couldn't reach out. And so we sent uh, 110 flyers to 110 households. And we said, basically, if you will respond to this flyer, we will send you a copy of the Jesus film in the Hebrew language. And 500 people responded, and we were able to send the gospel out to those 500 people, which we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Now, in another country near there... Um, we also uh, have found a way to get the gospel out is by offering in newspapers and in magazines and other places an ad that says, "We will rent you. We will give you a free film rental. If you call this number, we will deliver a film that you can rent for free." And so what we do is we get the the person's name and address. We send somebody out to their house and they deliver it. And uh, then they they say, okay, we need two days to watch this movie. Two days later, the guy comes back and he says, okay, I'm here to collect the video. What did you think about it? Okay, this is our way to get feedback from individuals that we wouldn't get feedback otherwise. So God is opening doors and the creativity, uh, there's no end to the amount of creativity that God gives us to propagate the gospel. Well, I want to encourage you this year to deal with the issues, the larger issues of your life, in a way that's creative and in a way that demonstrates faith. For some of you, this may be um, may be school. For others of you, it may be your job. For others of you, it may be family matters. Well, let me say something. God's word is neglected and ridiculed in our society. You are a minority, and so am I. And um, what takes faith is for you and I to stand up in the midst of a society that basically looks down on us. And that's where God giving us faith and strength comes in. So, I'm also, as a parent, concerned about the succeeding generations. Those of you with children, I'm sure, are worried about what does this world have in store for my kids and for my grandkids. And I want to position you this morning so that you will know exactly what you do for those succeeding generations in this deteriorating world. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 1 and 2, and this kind of sets the stage for for the story we're going to talk about today. And this is a story about Jeremiah and how he responded to a situation that was truly desmal. Um, His country was facing disaster, demise, and total defeat. And, um, you know, I just realized as I I I, I just realized that the notes that I'm using, I'm not for sure that they were the King James, New King James or not. So, if there's a slight variation, um, just roll with it. Um, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, this is verses 1 and 2, in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, for then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. So here we find Jeremiah, he's sitting in the courtyard of the king, strange place to have a prison, But that's where they have him, and he's he's incarcerated in some way, chained or enclosed or something. And King Zedekiah, who uh, reigned a total of 11 years, this is the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, um, was fully aware of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's power and authority and might. In fact, he had been surrounded. This was the year 588 B.C., and Nebuchadnezzar had come a few months earlier and actually had surrounded um, all of Israel. And um, virtually Jerusalem was the only city left that was not under the control of King Nebuchadnezzar. And interestingly, during this story that takes place uh, in, this, in this episode, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar withdrew his forces and there was a brief respite. And that's one of the things we will find in this passage that the king, Zedekiah, that's why he did not believe Jeremiah's prophecy because the king actually had withdrawn his forces. And the reason the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's forces had been withdrawn was because Egypt rebelled and came up against them in the south and Nebuchadnezzar left the siege to go fight the king of Egypt. Well, um, What was Jeremiah's situation? He was, as we said, in custody. And what was Israel's situation? It was under siege. But what was Babylon's situation? I propose to you that Babylon's situation was under God's sovereignty. And what we're talking about today is the sovereignty of God. He he rules in the affairs of men and nations, and all of us face circumstances that are totally beyond our control. And God is watching us. He's watching as you, as students, are concerned about other students that are putting pressure on you. But he's looking at us to see how we respond to those circumstances. Whether that's being sick and not being able to get out, or whether that's having a foot like my wife, when she can't walk right now. God is looking at us. How are we going to respond? Okay, now, let's look at verses 3 through 5. It says, For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, These are the words that Zedekiah had used, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give the city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape from the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon and shall speak with him face to face and see him eye to eye. Then he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall be until I visit him, says the Lord. Though you fight with the Chaldeans, you will not succeed. So Jeremiah is sitting there in this incarcerated uh, place, and he's remembering um, that he was put into jail because of the words that he spoke for God. And Zedekiah didn't like those words, but he spoke them anyway. Um, He was saying to the king, it's better that you surrender than it is to put up a good fight. Now, which of us doesn't like a good fight? Which of us doesn't give it our best? We don't want to be called a... uh, Whatever. We don't want to be a wimp. There you go. We don't want to be called a wimp. We want to be giving it everything. Well, Zedekiah was giving it his everything. The problem was that he was fighting against God. Now, I don't know how you know when God's saying something different to you, but if you sense that he is, then you got to go with it. Believe me, it will be better if you follow God's direction. How would you feel if you were in Jeremiah's shoes? You're locked up You've spoken for the Lord, you've witnessed, and it's done you no good. You know, they called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. He had a lot to weep about because his country that he loved so very dearly, number one, was failing. Number two, he had shown them how to, re- he had given the message of God and he had told them what to do to, to restore the country, but they hadn't followed him. I'll never forget a story that I heard when I was going through training, Um, and it was a film that they showed us, this was training to go overseas, a film that they showed us. Uh, It was a Peace Corps film, and they were teaching us about dealing with other cultures. And uh, I'll never forget this Peace Corps worker that went to a small, that was placed in a small village, and he was going there to help the people with their sanitation and with um, all of the the growing of crops and all of that, and he went to the village leader after he had asked. He had been there some time, and he assessed the problem. and He went to the village leader and said, "Hey, can I meet with you?" And he says, "Yeah." So they're meeting there to have they're having tea and all of this, and and he says, "We've got a problem." And then the guy responds by saying, "Well, how about some more tea?" So they drink some more tea, and then they talk about the the city and what he's doing with the city and, or the little village and all of this. And, and it goes on and on and on. It took him 20, 20 minutes in this film to eventually get to the point of saying, problem? And the leader, the leader of the village says, problem? No problem. There's not a problem there. So, he was, this um, worker was very frustrated because he wouldn't, the village wouldn't even admit there was a problem Well, sometimes we want to bury our heads in the sand. Sometimes we don't want to accept the reality of what's happening to us. And I propose to you that if you go with what God is showing you is taking place, you'll do much better. So, Jeremiah needed to act like a person of hope. He had been giving a message uh, of doom. However, he knew that God was in control. And this next section, verses 6 through 12... Demonstrates how Jeremiah acted, how his actions were viewed by God as a a way of demonstrating his hope. Okay? So all of you are going to face situations that you are having difficulty with. And the question is, will you respond to those difficulties with hope? With hope in the Lord. Okay, let's look at verses 6 through 12. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you saying, Buy my field which is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Please buy my field which is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and and that which was open. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah the son of Messiah, in the presence of Hannibal, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. So where was Jeremiah? He was in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace, but God still gave him a chance to display his hope in the midst of this situation. Apparently, this was the time when the forces, Nebuchadnezzar's forces withdrew for a time. And his nephew comes comes into the city from the neighboring area. And he says, listen, I need to sell some property. I need some money. I'm out of money. And this was a custom that God had ordained or had put forth back in Deuteronomy. The law said that it, when somebody's land uh, could no longer be um, taken care of, that they could sell it. But in the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, it would return back to that family. So in this particular case, the law said that you go to the nearest kin and you ask the nearest kin to uh, consider buying your property. And that's how you the families made it, is that when they couldn't survive, then those closest to them would help and so on as it would go. So you see in verses 6 and 7 that Jeremiah... God spoke to Jeremiah and predicted that his cousin that his cousin would come to him. Now, that's pretty amazing that um, you would know who's going to come to you on a particular day. And then when it happened, Jeremiah had the confirmation from the Lord, well, this is God speaking here. So, he went through with the deal. He anteed up, put his 17 shekels of silver out, he signed and sealed the document, and he did it in the presence of many people. And the point I'm making here is that God wants us to visibly act in such a way that other people will see that we're acting for him on his behalf. Now, for you, that might mean, um, it might mean telling someone that you're trusting the Lord for something. Um, maybe you have a challenge at the job. Trusting the Lord that he would work out this problem. And for another person, that might mean a relationship issue. It might mean talking to someone closer to yourself. But whatever that would be, the important thing is that when God is challenging you to act, you've got to kind of step out in faith and let it be known so that other people will see that you have faith. Now, I want you to know, this was a totally stupid thing for Jeremiah to do. Think about it. He knew that Nebuchadnezzar was going to totally take over this country. He knew that that property was worthless. He knew that there was going to be a captivity. And he did this anyway. He knew that he would die before that property would ever be freed up for his use. Yet he did it anyway. He did it because he felt sure that God would honor him, and God gave him the whole that this property would once again be sold and be owned and utilized by his family. So, where does a Christian get hope? I'm going to give you three proposed three three ideas. Romans fifteen four says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So the Scriptures bring us hope. That's one source of hope. Another is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that the God of hope will fill you. So God is a source. The Scriptures are a source. And then I want to propose to you that even beyond your control. First Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. I'm proposing to you that the Lord Jesus Christ is, can, will give you hope, even when you don't have hope. And, you know, we get to the point where we're beyond ourselves, whether that's with a, a terminal illness or whether that's uh, a deteriorating situation at work, or whether that's a country that has just elected a leader that we think will, tear, that will lead us down the tubes. We get beyond ourselves. And when that point comes, we need to go to God for hope. And we need to act in hope. Okay. Now, Jeremiah not only acted like hope in hope, but he talked like hope. And our next section here, verses 13 through 15 shows us verses um, 13 through 15 says, Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed which is sealed and this deed which is open and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may last many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now, your speech... Uh, um, has a tremendous impact on you. You may not think it. You may think, well, I like being quiet. I like just being a person who lets the other person speak. And I have my faith, and it's a quiet faith. But I propose to you that there's something that happens to you when you step out and you speak. And when you're relying upon the Lord, I believe God uses that to give you more hope and strength. Um, But then, even more so than your actions and your words, I want to propose to you another critical element in our hope, and that's verses 16 through 23. We hear Jeremiah's prayer, and this is where your hope can be built. And this is the challenge for you. As we read this prayer and we discuss it today, I want to encourage you sometime in the next few weeks to read this prayer on your own. And I want you to consider the impact that prayer will have on your life in this coming year, as it would relate to hope. Now, here's what I mean by I'll explain all of that. Let's just look at the verse, verses 16 through 23. Now, when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm." There's nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the one whose whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs, And wonders in the land of Egypt to this day, and in Israel, and among other men. And you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and took possession of it. But they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you have commanded them to do. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. Wow. Jeremiah picked up on a lot of things here when he prayed. And what I did was I listed, when I read this prayer, I listed 12 qualities of God that Jeremiah noted. And um, I then applied those to my life. And I'll explain how that is. For instance, um, the whole text... By the way, I don't know if you've ever looked the word "sovereign" up um, or "sovereignty" up in the uh, in your concordance or something. Interestingly, this this is a term that is not frequent in the Bible, even though the Bible um, mentions things that are sovereign, um, that God is sovereign. Uh, this is a theological term. So, but I, for the entire passage, I labeled it as God's sovereignty is demonstrated here, um, and. Sovereignty means to rule over all, okay? So, uh, based upon all the entire context, I said, this shows God's sovereignty. And my response is that because God is sovereign, I will joyfully submit to his will. Now, does that make sense? You know, you can't do anything about something, so you might as well sovereignly submit. You know, the, the, the... The evil nature or the old nature in us says, resist God. Um, But God says, resist the devil, you know, and God is sovereign and there's not much. Once you learn that there's not much you can do, if you're going to fight God, you're better off. Your life's going to be a lot better off. So the next thing I noted uh, is God is creator. And it says, you have made the heavens and the earth in verse 17. So I, I propose to you that because God is creator, I will look to him to solve my problems. He's creative enough to solve my problems. Now, you, you can't see a solution, but if you turn to God for your problems, he knows a solution. So I'll turn to him and ask him for that. Now, the next thing is God is powerful. It says... In verse 17, by your great power and outstretched arm. So God is powerful, and as a result, or because God is powerful, I will ask him, I said, I will ask him to help me with everything. So what I'm doing here is I'm taking the qualities of God, and I'm saying, as a result of the qualities of God, how will I respond? Okay, I'm encouraging you to take this passage on your own, and to make your own observations about the qualities of God, and then put down how you will respond to those qualities in the coming year. Let's look at the next one. Loving. God is loving. It says here um, in verse 18, you show loving kindness to thousands. Well, because God is loving, then I, I would say, I commit myself to his welfare. Can you think of a better person to commit yourself to than to the one who is loving? I can't. Okay, well, that was just where my mind went. The next is, God is just. Okay, it says in verse 19, it says, you are great in counsel and mighty work, and so on, and then it says, to give to everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Well, if God is just, then that causes me to think I will believe that he knows what is best for me. Whoa. You know, sometimes we think we know what is better um, when we pray, God, please help this to happen. You know. But uh, sometimes we should tack on to our prayers, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know, God is knows better what is best for us. And He is Almighty. In uh, verse 21, it says, You have brought. Your people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt, with signs and wonders. And then, uh, because God is Almighty, I will ask Him to help me with everything. God is purposeful. In verse, uh, well, I noticed that um, I was circling the word "you" in this in this passage, and "you" appears more than ten times. And I I believe that this is related to the fact that God has a purpose to interject into our lives. He's not a deist. He is a theist. There's a theistic um, relationship where he interjects into the history, into our history. And as a result, then I said, I will purpose to, I will commit to his purpose for me. He's involved in history. Um, if you look at this, uh, those that are historians here, if you look at this, because God is involved in history, that means that I will search for, for meaning in history. God has a reason to, for history. So there's a purpose in, in the history. Um, and then rewards. Uh, in verse 19, it talks about um, he gives everyone according to their ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Uh, let's see. Um, the same that we noted that before. God is famous. And um, let's see. and Famous. Let me follow my arrows here. Um, you have made yourself a name, it says in verse 20. So because God is famous, that my response to that is, I will not be ashamed. I will be proud to follow Him. I mean, you know, who wants to stand up and say, I'm a follower of, of um, Hillary Clinton after she has not won the election. Or, you know, you, you want to go with the winner. And, and uh, I'm not saying who I endorse. But uh, at the same time, I'm saying you all of us want to go with the winner. So it makes sense that if Jesus and if God is that famous, that we would want to uh, not be ashamed of following him. And then giving. God is giving in verse 22. You have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them. So God is giving, and as a result, I will give to others. And lastly, God remembers. Uh, In verse 23, it says, And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. And then it says, therefore. So based upon their response, God responded. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. So God is a God who remembers your actions. And my response is, because God remembers, I will be careful about my actions. I don't want to incur the wrath of God. I don't know how you are, but I wouldn't want to fall under his wrath. Well, not only do we need to respond in prayer but we need to respond with our focus. And this is the last section here, verses 24 and 25. This This is an overall attitude that I want you to have for the coming year. Look at the siege mounds, it says in verse 24. They have come to the city to take it, and the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans who fight against it because the sword and the famine and the pestilence. What you have spoken has happened. There you see it. And you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. And then in verse 26 and 27, he summarizes by saying, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the God, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? So Jeremiah's mindset was, there's nothing... Too hard. I will follow God blindly. And you know, we talked about stubbornness before, but at the same time, if you're stubborn in following God, that's good. So I want to encourage you this year to think about your actions, to think about your thoughts, your words, your prayers, and to line up with God's qualities. For you, I can't say what the qualities are, but just pick one or two qualities and focus on that for this coming year. And I believe as a result, you will be blessed by the Lord. Um, you might want to even study other prayers in the Bible. And I encourage you to um, share with others the, the things that you learn from the Word of God. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we come to you and we acknowledge your sovereignty. We acknowledge your love, your care, your compassion. We acknowledge that you are just. We acknowledge acknowledge that you know the future. You know what's going to happen in 2008. And we don't. So we come to you and prepare our hearts to follow you this coming year. Those of us who are struggling in our faith, we ask that you would build us up in our faith. Encourage us in our faith. Show us why it's not um, wise. Show us why it is wise for us to follow you. Even though the world has gone a separate way, we pray that you would help us to know how to respond to the pressures that we will face. And Lord, the uncertainties of this coming year, as we hear things happening that we are not pleased with, We come to You even right now and acknowledge Your sovereignty over them. Thank You for what You're going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen.